So good evening. So lovely to see everyone again. Let's just, as always, give everyone a little chance to join, get your audio sorted, maybe a warm cup of something. So my name is Stanford. I am a medical doctor working in psychiatry at the moment, previously worked in some maternity health, um, also yoga teacher and training uh, with Colin at the moment for yoga therapy. Colin? Hi, I'm Colin. I'm a yoga teacher, yoga therapist, yoga therapist trainer. Um, uh, it was got a little bit of experience of working with someone, um, well, we're working with people one-to-one -one over the last 20, 25 years, um, running courses, doing seminars and the like. We, we've got, um, got an interesting subject matter tonight, um, quality of life. Um, it's, it's a very kind of, I don't know how to define it. it, it it's, uh, maybe I do know how to define it. I'd like to come to Yoga's definition of it, actually. Um, if it has a definition of it, but I, I, I want to pose a number of different questions. Because um, for me, when we look at this idea of quality of life, um, I mean, what would each of us consider quality of life to be? And also what are the components of quality of life? What would they be? I think the next question for me is, how is it influenced by health and disease and what do we consider health and disease to be i think also for me the next step when i'm thinking about quality of life it is to do with where would the line be in health and disease where there would be a change in effect in quality of life um, and then for me the, the sort of the next thinking along this along the line with this would be is there an expectation from each of us about quality of life or around quality of life? And I think then I kind of like start to think, does this vary around the world? Does it vary from culture to culture? Does it vary from person to person? Um, and then I start to think about um, when does quality of life take priority in decision making in any person's life? Um, and then I kind of, I, I move on when I'm thinking about this, then to sort of say, well, is there truly a fair measure for quality of life that we can all agree on? And then I kind of go from there when I'm sort of thinking about that to saying, you know, do we need to compare our quality of life with others and do we need to standardise? So do you, do you see what I mean? So I'm starting to sort of lay a, a kind of a field out in this area because I think it's actually... It's a minefield. Um, and does that make sense? It makes a lot of sense. And I'm almost tempted to just sign off now because it sounds like you're going to do this talk all on your own. <laughs> I think you're going to be leading a very, very great exploration on the topic. Oh, no, these, these, these are just questions for me. I've got no answers at all. I'm just kind of laying down a number of different questions because I, you know, I have no concept of any of the answers of this. I think actually that's what I want to open up with. I want to open up with the with the fact that there's so much involved in the concept of quality of life. 
And there are also lots of different models, aren't there? There's always lots of models <laughs> where, where medicine's involved. So shall I start? I, 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 I also run into the same, not exactly a problem, uh, the same difficulty while researching about this topic. It's just because they're so fast and so much is involved. But as, an, as a medical doctor, I'm going to start with the World Health Organization for Quality of Life. I think that's quite a good place to start. So it says, it says sorry, as quality of life is an individual's perception of their position in life in the context of the culture and the value system in which that they live and in relation to their goals, expectation, standard and concerns. So I think, I think in some way, I think WHO is paraphrasing Colin because it's talking about expectation, talking about perception, talking about how, how um, the culture and the context that we live in um, really matters and really affect each one's each person's quality of life and i think i really like the word individual that it kind of led with it it is a very individual process because when i was thinking about this topic one of the one of the things i was thinking oh how are we going to measure it and then thinking why are we measuring it and i think sometimes we're measuring measuring quality of life because it's relative we almost felt like i'm going to compare my quality of life com compared to say let's say collins like where he is at now and his uh, in his life and compared to where i am in my life and that seems to be how how is measured sometimes in in a more general sense but is that really the right way forward i'm i'm not sure again that's just a question that i'm posing as well do we need to measure it against anything or anyone at all or is there a more standard way of doing it or is there a more custom way of doing it I don't know Colin can you give like a definition of quality of life from yoga and then maybe we'll go from there well the nearest I can come to is to yoga is quite simple um it, in one way it's very very simple um it gives two opposites it describes one of them as a constriction. So it gives this idea of a constriction and then it gives an idea of an openness. And it gives those the two starting points, the two frameworks. Um, and in fact, Sankhya philosophy and yoga philosophy actually give this idea, and both of them are built on this idea that there is a change in the feeling, the perceived feeling you have within inside of yourself. So we're back to this idea that it's a perception, but we've also got another idea here that it's a perceived feeling. So the concept here is a concept of a constriction. Now it says that there's a, if there's a constriction in this way, there's a change in the way that you perceive your quality of life. If there's a, a movement, a change, an opening change, then there's a different, another perception that goes on with regard to how you perceive your quality of life. So it, it doesn't measure it materially in the same way that we measure it. So we, we, it's not looking for a fixed measurable and material measurable. measurable. It's saying that there's this, this change, this feeling, deep feeling within you, that there's this either a constriction or an opening. They call it dukkha or sukha. Um, reference here, Sutra 131. It, 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 it accompanies... Um, and it means that there's there's this there's, there's other things that start to go on within the system. Often, when there's a constriction, there's negative thinking. So you start to look at the world in a particular way. So again, your quality of life's changed because of the 
constriction, the way you start to look at the world. And also with the negative thinking, obviously there's an agitation within the body. So it starts to sort of give a pathway with regard to how there are changes in your quality of life, because it's using this concept of constriction and expansion as a measuring tool. It, it, and the, and, the, and the measuring tool doesn't have anything to compare with other people. So it doesn't do a, a comparison. It's actually a measuring tool for you. And then what it does is it places everything into relationships. It says there's only two relationships. So this is why it's very simple. So first thing is that you've either got the constriction or I've got the expansion. The next thing is that I've only got two relationships, which is really easy. Okay, I have a relationship with myself. And the one with myself is, you know, my physical health, my well-being, my mental health, my emotional health, um, the, the, the belief I have with myself, um, the perception of who I think I am. So I've, I've got this, this my spiritual perception. So I've got this kind of relationship with myself. And then I've also got a second relationship with a relationship with other people. So it's the role I take with others, the patterns I take within that role. Um, the how I communicate, how I use words, how those words have meaning, how they have feelings associated with them. Um, it, it, it's, it, it means that I only have two possible relationships. So I've got this boom and this boom, and then I've got a measurement of a relationship inwards, and I've got a, you know, a measurement of a relationship outwards. So it, it starts to prioritize so within all yoga text and sankhya text it prioritizes feeling and perception which links back to your world health organization definition underlying this it looks at instinct and trust as well and it says that the mind is everything and the mind creates everything so based on what we link with because yoga is about linking what 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 do I actually link with so based on what I link with and and link with through my perception it can actually change my quality of life so if I give an example um I can link with pain which as a psychiatrist and a doctor you've seen this quite a lot so people focusing on let's say I have someone with lower back pain and they're just focusing just completely on the lower back pain all the time. It changes their quality of life completely and utterly. So yoga is just saying that it depending on what you link with, it can affect and change your quality of life because you're using the capacity to link with something, the yoga capacity, which is to link and to bind with something to affect the quality of life. So I can link with pain, I can link with issues, I can link with a, a poor me mentality I can start to link with lots and lots of different things. I remember when I was um, working, doing a lot of work with end of life, um, and I was working with this guy who died of pancreatic cancer. And we had some really, really interesting conversations about perception, what we link with and how we link with things and how it affected his quality of life. And this was a guy that I, you know, I saw on a very, very regular basis right the way through to when he died in, in, in a hospital bed in his, in his bedroom in his house, downstairs in his house. 
it, and we got to the stage within our conversations and it, he said it's very interesting he said the, 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 there's a difference between us he said he said you believe in the best in people and i believe in the worst in people and he said that has affected my life and my quality of life and so for me it was a prime example of how the beliefs we have and how we link with things can affect our quality of life and the way that we interact with people other people and ourselves did this make any sense as always it does um yeah i i think I think that how, how, where, where you led to was a place that I've been thinking about a lot recently as well. I was, when considering the topic of quality of life, I think maybe it's also good to consider the quality of dying or the quality of being dead, um, because by definition, it should be the opposite of it. And um, again, maybe that's just my experience as a doctor who work in the hospital who will see death mostly in the hospital setting, not so much outside of a hospital setting, thank it, thank God. Um, I think I think more and more experience of it really tells me that people really value like where they are passing away at. Is it going to be their home? Is it going to be in a hospital? Is it going to be in a hospice? Is the environment going to be somewhere that's nice and welcoming and warming and familiar? Who are they surrounded by at the time? Um, what kind of the quality of conversation they can have or really representing what kind of quality of relationship they can have? Can they have certain um, resolve or closure around those times? Um, what did they get to enjoy? Um, sometimes maybe just simple things like a nice meal, which actually at a certain time of death is actually can be quite quite challenging. And and then, then flipping it back is like maybe these these are the same things that we think about when we think about quality of life as well. Just maybe not to such a, such a minute extent when we talk about quality of life. Because when we talk about the quality of dying, you think very finite moment of time. It's like at that moment, what do I want to have achieved or what do I want to have done? Whilst well, quality of life, it's it's almost constantly in transition. You're constantly moving with life and time. Uh, is it just a bit harder to pinpoint? Because obviously with whatever you're dealing with at the time, you probably want to prioritize things slightly differently. Sometimes you prioritize, want to have more time to rest. Sometimes you prioritize some, you want to spend with people or with yourself, maybe with the world. And I, I think I think that's a good place to consider. Maybe maybe it's a bit too bleak too soon. Um, <laughs> you never ever know. No, I think, I think it's not actually. I think actually what you've highlighted is is an important thing that occurs. Is that actually many many times we don't consider quality of life until it's taken away from us. And I think that's a kind of like uh, quite uh, an important thing because in a way we take many, many things for granted, huge numbers of things for granted. And when there's a tipping point between health and disease, what, and, and again, that's a question for me, uh, when there's a tipping point between health and disease and, and when we look at 
what disease is and when someone gets into a stage where they're preparing to die and there's a there's a whole series of descriptions about preparation for death within the Bhagavad Gita which are very very interesting and also the Sankhya Karika says that one of the purposes of life is to prepare for death and that the practices that you come to do the yoga practices you come to do are there to prepare you to actually die so for me these are it, it, it's almost in a way it's defining the how you exit is is equally important as how you live well interestingly i recently was listening to a like a podcast by a Chinese astrologers and he's kind of talking something along the same line because as astrologers he often contemplates between the concept of fate or free choice like in life what what, what happens do you is, is it predetermined or you can you make choices and then he said well one eventuality one one of the most determined fates is we all die we will all get there it's how how we get there is it's kind of the the interesting, the in the intriguing part of life, and we were having a conversation, you and I, Colin, um, not so long ago about losing something that we have, and I think that is the hard part. That is when we really consider, and I think that's usually how many of my patients consider the quality of life as well. Is when they suddenly gone from a state where they had it before, um, maybe taking it for granted is a bit too harsh, but maybe not really considering it always or so fully and then they've gone to a state where they lost certain part of their health or certain part of their function and then then they really consider a quality of life being you know diminishing or reduced but I think that was interesting because when you look at the WHO definition um, just in case I gone a bit too quickly earlier on it talks about the perception of the of a person's position in life in the context of culture and value system uh, that they live in relation to their goals, expectations, standard, and concern. I find it interesting that health was actually ne actually never mentioned, especially for a definition that is, you know, defined by the World Health Organization. Because a lot of people, I think, also consider quality of life in terms of standards of living, you know, have the geography of where you live in. Uh, the social caste system or the class system that you live in, um, the infrastructure, your income, um, the GDP maybe, some people think about safety, climate, school network, um, kind of public provision, things like that. And, and these kind of goes in with the, the engage theory, which is outlined by, I think, a journal of applied research in quality of life. It kind of put these external, as Colin said, that a relationship to the world elements into ecology, economy, politics, and culture. So these are, I, I really think is more an external things. Whilst health is a very, a very, very personal and internal thing is it talks about the well-being of yourself, not just physically, but also mentally, but also I would say socially as well. You, you have to really have that fullness 
of all the different areas before you can say that you're really healthy. Um, I was reading, uh, as part of my research, I was reading up some old, <laughs> some of my old journals <laughs> circa my uh, first two years of being a doctor slash medical student era, so it's from 2016, and talks about actually only within the world population, there's about 4%, I think, 4% of people who are living in complete health, meaning no illness, no disease, and no sickness. And that's almost quite astonishing because, you know, if we are taking complete health as a standard for quality of life, then most of us really don't have a hundred percent of it. Well, if we ask a question here, out of everyone here, who believes they have a, a, a very good quality of life? Some people are like, yeah, other people are like, I don't know. <laughs> it's not just us asking ourselves. <laughs> because because that's, that's, I think this is, the, this is the, the kind of question, because what, what you've done, Stanford, quite amazingly, is you've started to ask this question. I mean, because we, we've, the, the, the first question, again, for me, is, is, is what would each of us consider quality of life to be? And what are the components that make quality of life for each of us? That, that for me is the kind of like the first question. And you've, been, you've built out on that beautifully. And for me, how is it influenced by health and disease? Uh, is an individual thing, but how is it also influenced by changes that go on? And I know Paul mentioned COVID. So how did COVID influence our quality of life? What were the changes that occurred? And how did we either react or how did we respond to those? So that there's, you know, what, what would we can, you know, where is the line between what goes on outside, what goes on inside and how that affects quality of life? And I think that's what you're actually building on and expanding just here so well. And the next question is, is there an expectation from each of us about what quality of life is? And I think that for me is the next question to ask because expectation builds into account numbers of things it builds into account and, and looks at memory it looks at what we've learned what we've seen from others it looks at our habits and our patterns about and how we fit into our individuals as parts of society and our culture and how we listen to the different sort of media does that make any sense so how does that then, how does that play with the standard that each of us have an expectation of? And then how do we individually not see our quality of life, but actually come to almost reposition and create an imaginary quality of life based on what we perceive others' quality of life to be or what we're told our quality of life should be. And so we end up in this sort of, sort of a fragmented matrix of of, of expectation and was yeah. actually more I think intrinsic of ourselves. I, I, I think the reason why I keep talking about like cultures and what is kind of the setting that we live in mm. is because I think this is a conversation I have with either patients or with family members. Some a lot of the time we almost felt I, I almost felt like sorry um, that we 
use the length of life as quality of life. You know, more than more than one conversation I had with people saying, "Oh, this country, usually Japan, get quoted、um, has real, you know, have, they they live the longest, almost as implied that they are the healthiest within the entire world population." Now, obviously, I'm in no way saying that they're not, and they 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 probably are very very healthy, but I do wonder is 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 the length of life really correlating with quality at the same time? Um, if you live for longer, does it mean that you live better? Is, is that really true? Because you know, I just gave the statistic already: four percent of world population live with no illness, sickness,、um, or impact on their health at all. Which means actually, that's quite a lot of us who live with chronic、um, disease and you know, obesity, diabetes, hypertension, osteoporosis, low back pain. You said like just to name a few, and these are just the common ones. There are also the uncommon ones. Is really living a very long time, but not with a very good health. Meaning that there are some impacts on either your physical or mental health. Is that is that still good quality?、Um, that is that is something that I was thinking about because recently I I'm working with someone whose、uh, mother-in-law or parents-in-law、um, basically having terminal illness as well, and、um, because as part of the illness, the the kind of the consciousness getting a little bit、um, impacted. So she's. Becoming less lucid,、um, kind of fading in and out every now and then. But she has a really good life in general.、Um, enjoyed herself, good partner, children, grandchildren, and 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 everyone's been visiting her. Kind of have these conversations like, oh, kind of reminiscing, reflecting, and they got to a place where they kind of have resolved and accepted what is going on. And she herself seems to have accepted as well. Um, and it's sad to see her being so frail and kind of passing. But at the same time, it, it seems like a natural process taking place, and people are getting okay with it. And then something unexpected happened. A doctor came along, and so oh, maybe there's just some swelling in the brain. I think that's a drug that can help. Gave a drug. Miracle, miracle happened. The person lived longer. The consciousness came back. And、um, she's more with it. She's talking to family, recognizing people again. So it seems great because suddenly we extended her life by, I think, by about two months, maybe slightly longer. So by by like a medical statistic, if you put her on the chart, it's like yes, success. We extended life. The story that didn't really get told on the statistic is actually then the family struggle within those two, maybe three months with. Someone who's still very frail because steroid, the magical drug, didn't take the frailty of her body away.、Um, didn't take any of the sadness away that she's still passing.、Um, didn't take, didn't help her in some way to get used to it because she was ready at that time, and then now she has this extra time to get ready again. So that that was that was a case I was thinking ah. Is length of life really representative, or sometimes almost like a good closure, good go goodbye, even though a slightly shorter one, a better one? So that was my re like recent reflections. Like, if 
if by extending life all the time, is that really a good thing? And then that begs another question. When does the length of life and quality of life, what takes priority in decision-making about life? And this brings the question with regard to euthanasia. And in a, in a similar way, we have a, a, a wonderful lady in our village who she has, her bowels keep getting twisted, her intestines keep twisting, keep, keep going, keep getting twisted. She's in a huge amount of pain. She rides around in a wheelchair everywhere. She's got this kind of four by four quad wheelchair that goes through the mud. It's kind of great to see. And it's kind of crazy and she's got a very obedient dog and she goes around the wheelchair and throws a ball into a river dog jumps into the river you know the river's kind of huge and flowing and the dog kind of goes through and gets the thing jumps out and she carries on this kind of quad thing but she's so positive and so happy and she is living her life to the fullest regardless of the disease, the condition. She's so funny, she's so positive. She gets on a horse and totters down the road, you know, sideways, and just kind of, she really enjoys it, you know, everything. But she's in a huge amount of pain, but she's enjoying every single moment that she actually has. Now, is this quality of life? Really don't know when you probably need to invite her and ask her. Mm. And it's you you mentioned euthanasia, so it's the choice of dying and how you die is is that part of quality of life as well. I guess we choose, or as much as we can, we choose how we live. Do we get to choose how we die? I don't know, I'm not part of, well, I'm part of the public service, but I'm not part of the government. I'm not a lawyer, so I don't think I can answer that. <laughs> they have to decide the policy. But I think it's certainly interesting thinking, considerations. But I think uh, choosing how we live, it will, it will be almost difficult and complicated enough, especially I think everyone will agree over the last... What, 18 to 24 months when the pandemic hits, how, how we choose to, what we choose to scale back, what we choose to maintain, what we, you know, fight for and what we think, oh, actually is no longer necessary. That those battles become in some way more prominent. Some, some of them become very irrelevant, very, very quickly. Um, but also, I think how we re-emerge from lockdown now, we're having this conversation again <laughs> just before we start, how, how we come back into the society, how we relate ourselves back into the society is interesting again. And I, I personally, through the lockdown, found a lot of solace almost in my own home. I'm quite introvert, so that's probably no surprise. I quite like my time, my books and studies and, and you know, take away every now and then. Um, but when I re-emerge, I, I want to meet people, I want to meet friends, but then kind of that impinge a little bit on my time 
my uh, my alone time, my me time, how much of that will I want to give away now? It's it's I I'm definitely struggling with that balance and battle. I'm not sure. Colin, do you have any answers or do you have any better way of balancing it? It, it it's interesting because there's a we have we have a situation that is imposed on us. So there are there are three different reasons for changes in quality of life. One is that um, we we do something to ourselves that creates an issue to impact our quality of life, or someone else does something to us that impacts our quality of life, or there is something greater like lockdown, COVID, that creates this issue to affect our quality of life. So we, 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 we tend to have you know, three different sources of this. Um, and these, within these sources is that it, it's the, 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 the causes of what changes our actual quality of life. And, the question is how each of us respond is going to be completely and utterly different. And I think that's the one of the key things is the is the individuality of it. So for someone like yourself, it it, it actually gave you what you needed. It gave you some space, it gave you a, a number of things that you actually it, it, it was the right thing for you. But for someone else, it created huge numbers of triggers. For other people, it would cause a, a, a huge number of issues. And it would bring to the surface lots and lots and lots of things which would cause lots of trouble for them and the people around them. So it would actually be the trigger. So one of the questions I have around all of this is, is what's the relationship between happiness and quality of life or what's the relationship between perceived happiness because often when we live our lives in a way let's say we're used to living our lives let's say pre-lockdown pre-covid often there's a perception of what happiness is and then we have a lockdown and then our perception of what happiness is changes now it's very interesting i was um had a a guy come and stay with me recently and he was reading this book on happiness you know I think it was like 12 steps of happiness or 12 different things you can do to be happy or you know happy in 12 minutes I can't remember what it was it was one of those sort of um one of these things and he said well how do you define happiness and it's a byproduct of living your life to its fullest potential and possibility. So it's actually a byproduct of living your life. And I think that rather than it being a goal or a measure of quality of life, it's actually your quality of life is measured by how you live your life. Does that make any sense? I answer a lot of questions. I, I, I like that because I do hear that question. I do hear that statement a lot. I, I want to be happy, like mm. maybe friends, maybe patients. I want to be happy. 
and then and then and then these are the conversation that I go in with and thinking, okay, I, I think that's a very fair aim. You want to be happy. I think most people want to be happy in life, but but how? Like, what what makes you happy? Um, and I think most people like, yeah. Usually, their reaction is a little bit taken aback. Like, don't know. I I just want to be happy. But now, if you explain that actually, is if you live your life to the to to its potential or to the fullest. The happiness will come, but it's a byproduct. Then, then it, yeah, almost answers a lot of questions. Where because by placing it as the goal, as the aim, then you're almost kind of going it a little bit with a wrong effort. You, 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 you it's going to be a little bit hard. I'm not saying impossible. I think it's going to be a little bit harder to get there, isn't it? It, you, you, it'd be a bit easy to answer how. What you what you want to or what what you feel is your potential in life and how to achieve that is almost like slightly easy to answer. I'm not sure. <laughs> no, <laughs> but, but I also think this link to quality of life becomes very important because actually, if what we're doing is that we're creating these measures or these things in the ground. I think it actually means that we avoid living our lives. And regardless of the perception of, and the comparison that we make to other people, because there's a lot of perception, there's a lot of comparison, there's a lot of expectation. And there's a lot of markers that we put into the ground, like happiness, you know, happy wealthy this that the other and actually i think it, it all of these things affect our quality of life and i think that by putting this framework in the ground these actual frameworks in the ground i think they sabotage our capacity to have a good quality of life and back to the lady who is in a huge amount of pain going on around in her wheelchair pottering around on her horse in our village and you know what She's got the most amazing quality of life. And she's the first person to say it, but she is suffering. Yeah, I've, I, think, I think these are the words that I keep coming across time and time again, with expectations, experience, perceptions. Um, and I think, I think you're talking about how much of it is actually internal and how much of it is your own felt experience and how much is actually related to other people is it definitely is a very very difficult question and I, I think I, I keep thinking this webinar I, I mean it's so nice to be back with everyone and I miss everything about this but this webinar feels a little bit odd because we kind of gone into a very very deep conversation very very quickly <laughs> and, I, I'm really, and I'm really enjoying it it's, it's slightly different but really enjoying it maybe it's, that's what this topic is called for because like you said it's it's not it's not simple it's not like you um say if you've been married with two kids with a house, then you have a good quality of life. It's the quality of the marriage, the quality of the relationship with their children, how you're enjoying the home, and as well as you know, all the other things that we talked about already, like health, wealth, 
um, also personal development and fulfillment as well, like your job satisfaction, uh, sometimes status in, in, in the society, uh, recreation, what you enjoy in life as well. Um, and I think taking into all these factors and then reali realizing what kind of proportion of these factors you, you want to combine in your own time and space, is, it's a really difficult is there a, is there a are there any sort of measurements that we can agree on that because it, it's interesting because you, you said you know it's like like being a parent it, it, that's having a role having a purpose um are there measurements that we can all agree on that actually influence quality of life or or become a measurement of quality of life Because in yoga, uh, having a purpose is important. So each, each of us is born into a family, into a time, into a place um, for a particular reason. So there's a kind of like a purpose behind your birth. And so I, I kind of I want to find I want to see you know there's there's a, you know we we have a purpose we have you know what is our purpose you know why am I here these are kind of like you know fundamental questions that you start to ask but what what gives a measure of quality of life and for me belief is a very important thing so in in Yoga Sutra we have a, a, an idea which is a very very complicated idea um, it's to do with belief, faith, trust, conviction, confidence. It's a very complicated idea, which is an expression of something who you are inside you. And it's an instinct. It's where you move beyond thinking and you start to, you don't question something. There isn't a question. You are actually just purely living. And so for me, this, this concept of belief is, is, is fundamental to having a, a, a kind of a, a good quality of life. Yeah, I, and I know, I know you know Bhagavad Gita a lot better than I do, so I'll let you talk about that as well, because I, I, I do think having the purpose or finding a purpose in life and belief is very, very important and sometimes not, not plays as important in, in the medical world as in we don't believe or we do not believe that is not important but it's harder to measure. Mm. Um, but I was just going to acknowledge Darren's um, point about maybe being happy is totally, is total acceptance, sorry, of what we have and not what we want or think we deserve. I think that echo what Colin said as well because if that is true, then there's not there's not a standard for everyone because I I think you know whatever we believe, rather we have a good quality of life or not. I think we can all agree that we have different things in life. We all not have the same constitution or combination of things in life. And being happy, I, I'm going to use the word content. Colin may disagree, but I'm I'm going to use the word content with that. <laughs> and 
and that that maybe is the standard is how much how how well you can you know be comfortable and content and happy with what you have instead of keep constantly thinking you deserve something better or having something else as something more um and the place of birth is interesting as well. I, as you said, I just glanced down to my research notes and saw there's apparently quality of life of countries as well. Um, according to, is it CEO World magazine? Um, that's from this year. Apparently, Finland has the best quality of life and Gambia has the worst. Um, and these are all based on affordability, economy, stability, family and friends, good job market, income, so on and so forth, as well as like public health services and so on and so forth. But once again, I, I think these are more measurable landmarks where you can compare one country with another. Whilst I think things like belief systems or even sometimes culture, that's also very difficult to measure. Like how do you measure one culture against another? How, I, I would never be confident enough to say one is richer than the other because there's just so many layers in history and everything. But how how comfortable, how 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 happy we can be within kind of our own skin, rather as a personal or country. That I think is something that worth exploring. Mm. I, I like Colin talk a little bit more about belief and purpose in life because I think. I'd like to hear a bit more about that. In one way, it's very, very simple. I, I, if I believe something, I don't question it. So the example given is that, does a baby question milk? Do you know this from you know when you um, you were you were an obstetrician? Yeah, yeah. Does it be so? So in the, in that area, is there a questioning that occurs? So the baby just goes straight, and it does. What does it do? Just drinks it. <laughs> yeah, doesn't question it at all. And so it it it, it just there's no question whatsoever. So at the starting point, we have that ability. And then we lose that ability. And then we fight to get that ability back again. And we spend the rest of our life trying to get this ability back again, where we don't question where we actually can trust our instincts completely and utterly. Why do we lose the ability? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, I was looking forward to having this brilliant life. No, 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 it's, it's kind of interesting because if you start to think about it, if you really, you know, I, you've got this, it just straight away, it doesn't question it at all. But so many people I'm talking to at the moment, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? What should I, you know, should I do, you know, what's going, how do I, uh, how am I going to do, I, I don't know what to do. I, I, you know, shall I, I, I think I'm going to leave my job. No, I'm going to stay with my job. I'm going to do this. Over. It, it, we, there's a complete loss of this concept.
maybe sometimes having more option wasn't helpful then. The baby didn't really have anything else to choose from, it's just milk. And how does this influence quality of life? And I guess that again comes back to the perceived option. What are we expecting from the options and what we actually experience from the option? Mm. And I think, I, think, I think that relates to what we said earlier on as well. I think those questions or some of the answers get a little bit clearer when we start losing things, which is probably why more often when, when, when our health suffers, we consider it a little bit more because then, then we have a bit more relativity that is within ourselves to compare to. We, we, we don't compare what we lost to the society or to your friends and family or to your neighbours as much. You, you still probably, I still probably would, um, but more likely you're going to compare within. And that, that can be more helpful. Maybe, I don't know, that's just... Well, it's, 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 I think the comparison is, is interesting because when we look at change, how does change occur? And change occurs in, in three different ways. The first way is that it, there's a sudden change. You know, you're, you're one minute, you're completely okay. So one of the guys that works on our farm, he didn't turn up today. So I messaged him and he said, Roger, you okay? Oh, I really hurt my groin yesterday. I'll be in tomorrow. You know, one minute, everything's okay. Next minute, everything changes. It just, it just changes like that. And it also in the other direction. So thing changes just occur immediately. So there's an immediate change. Everything just completely nothing changes. So in both directions, things can change. And then you've got you know, that concept where everything's going really well. You know that, that feeling? Yeah, everything's going really well. It's kind of like, yeah, it's just, you know, you're, you're, right, you're you know, it's just brilliant. You know, you, you get every green light on the way. You, you know, you get a parking place if you drive, you, you, you know, or if you're on, a, on, on an underground system or a bus, you know, you jump from one to another. It just goes so well. Everything just is, it just moves so smoothly. And then suddenly it just goes like that. Everything is so scattered. You get five different phone calls. You've got all these other things going on. It starts to rain when you run for a bus. The bus just kind of drives past you, soaks you with water. You know, it, it just, everything becomes very dispersed and very fragmented. Or change occurs when we just kind of shuffle forwards. So it, in, these ways I, I can see there can be changes of quality of life sometimes quality of life just goes like that so i it just it just everything changes and it, in both directions you know it could be that it's a disaster and you just go my life is insufferable i can't believe i'm in this situation or it can be completely the opposite direction where it's just like oh my god i just appreciate everything and everyone i've got my life is amazing it can go in both directions. And the same is true with regard to things just being amazing 
and then being dispersed, it can go the opposite direction. It means that everything can just come together like that and then move forwards. And then the third one is that things can just shuffle forwards ever so slowly. So things can degrade, quality of life can degrade slowly and you can watch it in front of your eyes as a sort of a slow moving car crash and just, or you can, it can be the opposite direction. Whereas actually what you can do is you can work on yourself and you can involve your perception just so that there's a shuffling forwards with regard to your quality of life. Yeah, I think that I think the response to these changes is a very interesting thing to consider as well. That what you said reminded me of a patient I was seeing actually today. Um, a young person who since the beginning of the year we don't quite know exactly what the cause is maybe it's his COVID maybe it's the lockdown related but maybe some other relationship breakdown he suddenly have a lot of low mood and um, kind of tendency to self-harm some self-harm ideation as well mm. so obviously we, we start getting involved in trying to help medication therapy and the, the important things about this person is prior to January, he's like really almost hyperactive, bubbly, always want to be in center attention, always want to kind of be the person who distracts everyone and get the focus on him. And now he is a lot more settled. He would say that he's not quite back to where he was originally. He's not really back to that bubbly self again. Um, but at the same time, he, he, he kind of had this new perspective where he looks like, oh, I'm now becoming one of these people in my class where if I'm seeing my old self, I'd be like, oh, that's just so annoying. And like, don't want to be like that anymore. Um, and I never want to go back to that. And at the same time, he also said, actually, I, I'm quite happy where I am. I, I know, like he constantly said, I'm neutral. I'm not happy. I'm not sad. I'm just neutral. I'm not jumping around like I was before. I don't, I don't want to kill myself like before. I'm, I'm, I'm where I am. I'm not doing, I'm not having a lot of reactivity. And, and that I almost would say that I can observe this kind of a bit of happiness in that. He, he, he seems to be at ease at this new state. And one of the realization that he has, and I think is really down to himself being more contemplative, is saying, what happened to me was shit. It was really, really bad things. But now it, come, it kind of has something good out of it. Like I get to a good place. And I think, I think you're right, Colin, it's it, like changes, it can be abrupt, it can be cumulative, it can be both at the same time sometimes, that there's a straw that broke the camel's back. And how we respond to that and also how kind of how we ride with the changes also really affects our quality of life as well. It's, it's, it's kind of where you got to at the end. And then also to continue that is knowing that it doesn't end. It's not like you got to that lesson and thinking, oh, I'm great. And then you're done sort of for life. Um, I, I wish that is true, but I, I don't, unfortunately don't think that's quite gonna be how it works. It's not, and it also means there isn't a standardized quality of life. And that's what I think is so firstly important, but also it's so difficult with regard to creating a framework around it. And why I agree with the fact that it is about perception. It is about feeling. And I believe that it's possible to change 
I really do. Um, what's come out of today for you? I think more questions, even more questions than <laughs> before I come in. Um, but I, th I think those are good questions. I think I think when consider the quality of life, I think it's about what we ask ourselves when we when we face with that question. What is important? Mm -hmm. And maybe 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 sometime I don't want to say easier, but I, I think one good perspective that I've heard from before is also from from a very experienced actor who, who at the time I think have terminal illness. He, he kind of see life as like an, almost a test paper or exam paper. And like any test and exam, it, it, we're not aiming to pass with hundred percent. I mean, some people do and good for you, I, I, I won't be one of you. Um, it's, you can be proud of the result that you get on the other end, meaning have you put enough effort in? Have you done everything you want to? Have you done everything you can? And you know, have you allocated enough rest time? So on and so forth. It's what you want to have and have you actually achieved them? And I think those are gonna be my continued question to myself. How about you, Colin? Well, I'm no wiser um, in myself because I have so many questions about quality of life. And I really do. Um, to quote a, a lovely lady today who said that we are all so different people, yet we have so much similar stuff that goes on for each of us. And I think that for me is a kind of an important thing when I keep reflecting on quality of life. Because we are all so different, but we have so much similar things that we have to deal with. Can I say thank you so much for today, Stanford? Um, I can't, I don't know where the time has gone. It's been an hour. Um, and to you and to everyone who attend. And what are we doing the next time we meet? Well, we're bringing it back slightly less deep conversation. I don't know, maybe we'll go really deep as well. Raynaud's, we're going to talk about Raynaud's syndromes in three weeks' time. Okay. And so Raynaud's is a extreme, it's the extremities of the body. Yeah. Brilliant. I look forward to that very much indeed. Absolutely. Can I, um, Thank you so much to everyone for, for attending. Really nice to see you all again. And really looking forward to seeing you guys again in three weeks' time. And Stanford, thank you so much for today. Really appreciate it. Thank you and have a good night.